Book One, Chapter Fifteen of Michael Strogoff by Jules Verne. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter Fifteen: The Marshes of the Baraba. It was fortunate that Michael Strogoff had left the posting house so promptly. The orders of Ivan Ogaryev had been immediately transmitted to all the approaches of the city and a full description of michael sent to all the various commandants in order to prevent his departure from omsk but he had already passed through one of the breaches in the wall his horse was galloping over the steppe and the chances of escape were in his favour it was on the twenty ninth of july at eight o'clock in the evening that michael strogoff had left omsk this town is situated about halfway between moscow and irkutsk where it was necessary that he should arrive within ten days if he wished to get ahead of the tartar columns it was evident that the unlucky chance which had brought him into the presence of his mother had betrayed his incognito ivan ogaryev was no longer ignorant of the fact that a courier of the czar had just passed omsk taking the direction of irkutsk the dispatches which this courier bore must have been of immense importance michael strogoff knew therefore that every effort would be made to capture him but what he did not know and could not know was that marfa strogoff was in the hands of ivan ogaryev and that she was about to atone perhaps with her life for that natural exhibition of her feelings which she had been unable to restrain when she suddenly found herself in the presence of her son and it was fortunate that he was ignorant of it could he have withstood this fresh trial michael strogoff urged on his horse imbuing him with all his own feverish impatience requiring of him one thing only namely to bear him rapidly to the next posting-house where he could be exchanged for a quicker conveyance at midnight he had cleared fifty miles and halted at the station of ulikovo but there as he had feared he found neither horses nor carriages several tartar detachments had passed along the highway of the steppe everything had been stolen or requisitioned both in the villages and in the posting-houses it was with difficulty that michael strogoff was even able to obtain some refreshments for his horse and himself it was of great importance therefore to spare his horse for he could not tell when or how he might be able to replace it desiring however to put the greatest possible distance between himself and the horsemen who had no doubt been dispatched in pursuit he resolved to push on after one hour's rest he resumed his course across the steppe hitherto the weather had been propitious for his journey the temperature was endurable the nights at this time of the year are very short and as they are lighted by the moon the route over the steppe is practicable michael strogoff moreover was a man certain of his road and devoid of doubt or hesitation and in spite of the melancholy thoughts which possessed him he had preserved his clearness of mind and made for his destination point as though it were visible upon the horizon when he did halt for a moment at some turn in the road it was to breathe his horse now he would dismount to ease his steed for a moment and again he would place his ear to the ground to listen for the sound of galloping horses upon the steppe nothing arousing his suspicion he resumed his way on the thirtieth of july at nine o'clock in the morning michael strogoff passed through the station of turumov and entered the swampy district of the baraba there for a distance of three hundred versts the natural obstacles would be extremely great he knew this but he also knew that he would certainly surmount them these vast marshes of the baraba 
form the reservoir to all the rain-water which finds no outlet either towards the obi or towards the yutish the soil of this vast depression is entirely argillaceous and therefore impermeable so that the waters remain there and make of it a region very difficult to cross during the hot season there however lies the way to irkutsk and it is in the midst of ponds pools lakes and swamps from which the sun draws poisonous exhalations that the road winds and entails upon the traveller the greatest fatigue and danger michael strogoff spurred his horse into the midst of a grassy prairie differing greatly from the close-cropped sod of the steppe where feed the immense siberian herds the grass here was five or six feet in height and had made room for swamp plants to which the dampness of the place assisted by the heat of summer had given giant proportions these were principally canes and rushes which formed a tangled network an impenetrable undergrowth sprinkled everywhere with a thousand flowers remarkable for the brightness of their colour michael strogoff galloping amongst this undergrowth of cane was no longer visible from the swamps which bordered the road the tall grass rose above him and his track was indicated only by the flight of innumerable aquatic birds which rose from the side of the road and dispersed into the air in screaming flocks the way however was clearly traceable now it would lie straight between the dense thicket of marsh plants again it would follow the winding shores of vast pools some of which several versts in length and breadth deserve the name of lakes in other localities the stagnant waters through which the road lay had been avoided not by bridges but by tottering platforms ballasted with thick layers of clay whose joists shook like a two-week plank thrown across an abyss some of these platforms extended over three hundred feet and travellers by tarantas when crossing them have experienced a nausea-like seasickness michael strogoff whether the soil beneath his feet was solid or whether it sank under him galloped on without halt leaping the space between the rotten joists but however fast they travelled the horse and the horsemen were unable to escape from the sting of the two-winged insects which infest this marshy country travellers who are obliged to cross the baraba during the summer take care to provide themselves with mask of horse hair to which is attached a coat of mail of very fine wire which covers their shoulders notwithstanding these precautions there are few who come out of these marshes without having their faces necks and hands covered with red spots the atmosphere there seems to bristle with fine needles and one would almost say that a knight's armour would not protect him against the darts of these dipterals it is a dreary region which man dearly disputes with tupulae nuts mosquitoes horseflies and millions of microscopic insects which are not visible to the naked eye but although they are not seen they make themselves felt by their intolerable stinging to which the most callous siberian hunters have never been able to inure themselves michael strogoff's horse stung by these venomous insects sprang forward as if the rowels of a thousand spurs had pierced his flanks mad with rage he tore along over verst after verst with the speed of an express train lashing his sides with his tail seeking by the rapidity of his pace an alleviation of his torture it required as good a horseman as michael strogoff not to be thrown by the plungings of his horse and the sudden stops and bounds which he made to escape from the stings of his persecutors having become insensible so to speak to physical suffering possessed only with the one desire to arrive at his destination at whatever cost he saw during this mad race only one thing 
that the road flew rapidly behind him. Who would have thought that this district of the Baraba, so unhealthy during the summer, could have afforded an asylum for human beings? Yet it did so. Several Siberian hamlets appeared from time to time among the giant canes. Men, women, children, and old men, clad in the skins of beasts, their faces covered with hardened blisters of skin, pastured their poor herds of sheep. In order to preserve the animals from the attack of the insects, they drove them to the leeward of fires of green wood, which were kept burning night and day, and the pungent smoke of which floated over the vast swamp. When Michael Strogoff perceived that his horse, tired out, was on the point of succumbing, he halted at one of these wretched hamlets, and there, forgetting his own fatigue, he himself rubbed the wounds of the poor animal with hot grease, according to the Siberian custom. Then he gave him a good feed, and it was only after he had well groomed and provided for him that he thought of himself, and recruited his strength by a hasty meal of bread and meat and a glass of kvass. One hour afterwards, or at the most two, he resumed with all speed the interminable road to Irkutsk. On the 30th of July, at four o'clock in the afternoon, Michael Strogoff, insensible of every fatigue, arrived at Elamsk. There it became necessary to give a night's rest to his horse. The brave animal could no longer have continued the journey. At Elamsk, as indeed elsewhere, there existed no means of transport. For the same reasons as at the previous villages, neither carriages nor horses were to be had. Michael Strogoff resigned himself, therefore, to pass the night at Elamsk, to give his horse twelve hours' rest. He recalled the instructions which had been given to him at Moscow, to cross Siberia incognito, to arrive at Irkutsk, but not to sacrifice success to the rapidity of the journey. And consequently, it was necessary that he should husband the sole means of transport which remained to him. On the morrow, Michael Strogoff left Elamsk at the moment when the first Tartar scouts were signalled ten versts behind upon the road to the Baraba, and he plunged again into the swampy region. The road was level, which made it easy but very tortuous, and therefore long. It was impossible, moreover, to leave it, and to strike a straight line across that impassable network of pools and bogs. On the next day, the 1st of August, eighty miles farther, Michael Strogoff arrived at midday at the town of Spaskoye, and at two o'clock he halted at Pokrovskoye. His horse, jaded since departure from Elamsk, could not have taken a single step more. There, Michael Strogoff was again compelled to lose, for necessary rest, the end of that day and the entire night. But starting again on the following morning, and still traversing the semi-inundated soil, on the 2nd of August, at four o'clock in the afternoon, after a stage of fifty miles, he reached Kamsk. The country had changed. This little village of Kamsk lies, like an island, habitable and healthy, in the midst of the uninhabitable district. It is situated in the very centre of the Baraba. The immigration caused by the Tartar invasion had not yet depopulated this little town of Kamsk. Its inhabitants probably fancied themselves safe in the centre of the Baraba, whence at least they thought they would have time to flee if they were directly menaced. Michael Strogoff, although exceedingly anxious for news, could ascertain nothing at this place. It would have been rather to him that the governor would have addressed himself had he known who the pretended merchant of Irkutsk really was. Kamsk, in fact, by its very situation, seemed to be outside the Siberian world, and the grave events which troubled it. 
Besides, Michael Strogoff showed himself little, if at all. To be unperceived was not now enough for him. He would have wished to be invisible. The experience of the past made him more and more circumspect in the present and the future. Therefore he secluded himself, and, not caring to traverse the streets of the village, he would not even leave the inn at which he had halted. As for his horse, he did not even think of exchanging him for another animal. He had become accustomed to this brave creature. He knew to what extent he could rely upon him. In buying him at Omsk he had been lucky, and in taking him to the postmaster the generous mujik had rendered him a great service. Besides, if Michael Strogoff had already become attached to his horse, the horse himself seemed to become inured by degrees to the fatigue of such a journey, and provided that he got several hours of repose daily, his rider might hope that he would carry him beyond the invaded provinces. So, during the evening and night of the 2nd of August, Michael Strogoff remained confined to his inn at the entrance of the town, which was little frequented, and out of the way of the importunate and curious. Exhausted with fatigue, he went to bed after having seen that his horse lacked nothing, but his sleep was broken. What he had seen since his departure from Moscow showed him the importance of his mission. The rising was an extremely serious one, and the treachery of Ogaryev made it still more formidable. And when his eyes fell upon the letter bearing upon it the authority of the imperial seal, the letter which, no doubt, contained the remedy for so many evils, the safety of all the war-ravaged country, Michael Strogoff felt within himself a fierce desire to dash on across the steppe, to accomplish the distance which separated him from Irkutsk as the crow would fly it to be an eagle that he might overtop all obstacles, to be a hurricane that he might sweep through the air at a hundred versts an hour, and to be at last face to face with the Grand Duke, and to exclaim, Your Highness, from His Majesty the Tsar. On the next morning, at six o'clock, Michael Strogoff started off again. Thanks to his extreme prudence, this part of the journey was signalized by no incident whatever. At Ubinsk he gave his horse a whole night's rest, for he wished on the next day to accomplish the hundred versts which lie between Ubinsk and Ikulskoye without halting. He started, therefore, at dawn, but unfortunately the Baraba proved more detestable than ever. In fact, between Ubinsk and Kamakore the very heavy rains of some previous weeks were retained by this shallow depression in a watertight bowl. There was, for a long distance, no break in the succession of swamps, pools, and lakes. One of these lakes, large enough to warrant its geographical nomenclature, Chang, Chinese in name, had to be coasted for more than twenty versts, and this with the greatest difficulty. Hence certain delays occur, which all the impatience of Michael Strogoff could not avoid. He had been well advised in not taking a carriage at Kamsk, for his horse passed places which would have been impracticable for a conveyance on wheels. In the evening, at nine o'clock, Michael Strogoff arrived at Ikulskoye, and halted there overnight. In this remote village of the Baraba, news of the war was utterly wanting. From its situation, this part of the province, lying in the fork formed by the two Tartar columns which had bifurcated one upon Omsk and the other upon Tomsk, had hitherto escaped the horrors of the invasion. But the natural obstacles were now about to disappear, for, if he experienced no delay, Michael Strogoff should on the morrow be free of the Baraba and arrive at Kowivany. There he would be within eighty miles of Tomsk. 
he would then be guided by circumstances and very probably he would decide to go around tomsk which if the news were true was occupied by feofar khan but if the small towns of ikurskoye and karguinsk which he passed on the next day were comparatively quiet owing to their position in the baraba was it not to be dreaded that upon the right banks of the obi michael strogoff would have much more to fear from men it was probable however should it become necessary he would not hesitate to abandon the beaten path to irkutsk to journey then across the steppe he would no doubt run the risk of finding himself without supplies there would be in fact no longer a well-marked road still there must be no hesitation finally towards half-past three in the afternoon michael strogoff left the last depression of the baraba and the dry and hard soil of siberia rang out once more beneath his horse's hoofs he had left moscow on the fifteenth of july therefore on this day the fifth of august including more than seventy hours lost on the banks of the irtish twenty days had gone by since his departure one thousand miles still separated him from irkutsk End of chapter 15